just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. This is the Rational Boomer Podcast. I want to thank you for taking some time and joining me today. I want to thank all of you for joining me on this ride, which is the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're getting more and more listeners every week. Again, I want to remind you to let your friends, neighbors, and colleagues know about it if they are of a similar mind also being Rational Boomers. We want to get a big crowd here for, if for no other reason than to give some people that have a lot to offer this country a voice. Give us a little bit more power. There's a lot of help this country needs, and we're just the folks that can offer it. But we've got to be out there. We've got to be listened to, so we've got to increase the level of our voice. Now, it's been really hot in the Midwest the last week or so. But I'm not the kind of guy that's going to bitch about the heat because I live in a place where it can be 20 below and 50 below wind chills, and I bitch all winter long. So when it finally does become 90 above, I'm not going to complain, even if I want to, because it seems hypocritical. I want to not have the cold, so I need to move out. I can't move because my family's here, but I'm going to get away now that COVID's done during the winter months and Spend some time in some warmer climes, at least for short periods of time, during the winter coming up. But the heat. I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. It was 107 above. It's not quite as hot here. Uh, 90s, 95, maybe up to 100. Of course, we got more humidity here. And they always say, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. Now, it's both. It's both. I've been in both places in a short period of time. It's oppressive no matter where you go or no matter how much humidity is in the heat. A lot of things happening uh, this past week we need to talk about. And I want to explain something. I don't know if I've explained this at all. For the last four years, I've been pounding on Donald Trump and the Republicans. So it's a natural thought that I'm a Democrat, but I'm not. I'm not at all a Democrat, and I'm certainly not a Republican. I'm really for me or us, because I don't see me as a part of any of those groups, those clubs. Because as much as I support the Democrats, I did it so that I could get rid of Donald Trump and get rid of some of these crazies in the Republican Party. It was a means to an end. And it worked so far. We have some issues, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But that doesn't make me a Democrat. That doesn't make me a bleeding-heart liberal, as a lot of people will try to label me, because I have the audacity to be against Donald Trump, the Republicans, and all of that. I'm not that. I'm kind of conservative on some things, and I'm liberal on other things. It's a matter of common sense. It's not about what the team tells you to think. I'm not good with people telling me what to think, as my wife will point out. And so I have to look at situations and say, what's right? What's wrong? How do I feel about it? And that's what I do. And I can't do that if I belong to a team. I mean, like the Republicans, for example, Donald Trump can do anything he wants, commit a crime, 
and they support him. Now, the one difference is between Republicans and Democrats, I will say this. You get a Republican who's a pedophile or whatever, they still support him, rabidly. Now, the Democrats are a little different. If they have a criminal in their midst, they will push back against that criminal. They at least have the decency to acknowledge somebody who's a criminal and do what they can to push him out. That's not to say that Democrats aren't partisan, because they, they are. And that's part of the reason why I don't identify as a Democrat or a Republican. Now, we've gotten to this point. We have Joe Biden in office as president. I'm happy to see that. Certainly better than what we had with Donald Trump. We have a small majority in the House of Representatives with the Democrats and uh, almost an even split in the Senate with the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, that's a hell of a lot better than the Republicans having the majority because we saw what they did for four years, eight years, actually. They did nothing. They're obstructionists. They don't want to do anything. We'll talk more about that, too. So here we are. Democrats have a little bit of power now. So if you're to think that because the Democrats are in power now that I think, oh, my God, we're saved. Everything is rosy. Everything is happy. It's going to be perfect now. If that's what you think, I think, well, you're wrong. And you need to look at the situation realistically and logically. Because as much as the Republicans have been bad the past four to eight years, as much as they've been obstructionist, as much as they've tried to shove the trickle-down theory down our throat, the Democrats don't have a great history either. The Democrats have had their problems. Now, supporting the Democrats to get rid of these crazy-ass Republicans and Donald Trump is a means to an end. But once the Democrats get in, we can't rest, we can't lay back, because they have just as much capability of screwing over the middle class as the Republicans. I know this because they've done it. They've been as much guilty about trickle-down theory, where the middle class pays the bills and the rich get a free ride. They've been part of it, too. So now we're dealing with a situation where Joe Biden's in, we have the Democrats in power somewhat, and we're thinking to ourselves, they need to change a lot of stuff because Donald Trump did a lot of damage. They need to get some of their points of view across and get some bills passed. And it started out really well because Joe Biden got the um, COVID relief bill passed, and that had an immense effect on this country its people, and the economy. Just look at the economy. Republicans love telling me, oh, the government and the economy are tanking since the Democrats got in. That's not true. The stock market is reaching record highs, which I don't really credit the Democrats uh, and President Biden any more than I did the Republicans and Donald Trump, but it's, it's a point of reference. We've got a GDP coming out that they thought was going to be 3.4. In fact, it's going to be 6.4. So the growth in this country is big. A lot of jobs are being created. 
In fact, Joe Biden created more jobs in the first four months of his administration than any president in history. Now, Republicans will say, yeah, 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 but we're just coming out of a pandemic. Where else is it going to go but up? And there's some truth to that. But understand, the reason we have the pandemic, to the extent we had the pandemic, is because Donald Trump and the Republicans didn't do jack shit about the pandemic. They threw out the rule book. They threw out the, 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 the team that would work on it. And they did nothing. And it just spread like wildfire throughout this country. So if you don't want to give credit to Joe Biden for the economy like you did Donald Trump, then you must call, give, give uh, credit to Donald Trump for tearing this country apart with this pandemic and killing 550,000 people. Now, had Donald Trump done what he's supposed to do, then Joe Biden wouldn't have had to come back so far as he did. We would have been long done with the pandemic. Who knows if Donald Trump had done something and fixed the pandemic earlier, he might have won in 2020. So don't tell me that Joe Biden's got an advantage because, once again, the Republicans put us in the hole like George W. Bush did in 2008. Biden had to pull, or Obama had to pull us out of that, and he did. Now, Biden's having to pull us out of the situation that Donald Trump put us in. Just because it's bad doesn't mean you're not responsible. Donald Trump is responsible for the condition of the country on January 19th of 2020. 2021, actually. So anyway. We're watching the Democrats now. They get the stimulus bill passed. It does a lot of good. But now we've got other bills that they have to deal with. The infrastructure, uh, the voting rights bill. All these bills are great ideas. And these are things that need to be passed in this country. But they're having troubles. They're having troubles because they're stuck on this point that they need it to be bipartisan. And I don't understand why. Mitch McConnell has come out and said, our main job is to shut down everything the Democrats have done. So that's telling us they're not negotiating. They're not going to be bipartisan. They're not going to negotiate in good faith. So why do we keep insist, insisting on getting bipartisan approval? It's not going to come. It's not going to come. And Obama did that to a certain extent during his administration. And you know what happened? The Republicans did the same thing. Oh, yeah, we want this off, we want this off, but then don't vote for it. They delay and they delay and they delay until they run out the clock. You want a perfect example of that? Democrats, Obama wants to put in Merrick Garland in the Supreme Court, but there's a year before the election. Republicans say you can't do that because we want Americans to pick the next Supreme Court justice. Now, Obama had every right and every legal right to appoint Merrick Garland, but he couldn't do that unless the Senate approved it. And the Senate was run by Mitch McConnell. The majority was with the Republicans, and they just wouldn't put it up for a vote. So they delayed and they delayed and they delayed until they ran out the clock. Donald Trump gets in, and then he starts appointing Supreme Court justices. 
You see what they do? Now, my problem with the Democrats on this is you've already seen this happen. You know their game plan. You know their strategy. Why are you still falling into that trap? If you know what they're going to do, if you know what the outcome is going to be, then fuck that. Shove it down their throat. Now, of course, we have the stumbling block with Joe Manchin. Now, Joe Manchin is a Democrat out of West Virginia. He votes a lot with the Republicans. He's a sticking point because he doesn't want the filibuster. He doesn't believe in the voting rights bill. Apparently, he's all for um, voter suppression. I don't get that. He comes from a state that has a lot of problems financially and has a diverse racial state. But still, he's not interested. In fact, in terms of the... uh, the, 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 the voting bill, the voting rights bill for the people, 79% of his state want the bill. Now, he represents those people, but he's going absolutely against them. So we have that stumbling block with Joe Manchin. Now, we've had situations like this before, and presidents have kind of strong-armed these Democrats or Republicans that are going the opposite direction and able to get some things done. Don't know exactly what you can do, but there's always got to be a strategy. This isn't the first time something like this has happened. Joe Biden, the Democrats have to do something to push these bills through. You can't allow these minority Republicans to block it. And then we go to the filibuster. Nobody wants to get rid of the uh, filibuster, but the filibuster was used primarily for blocking civil rights back in the 60s. Yeah, I know it came long before that, but they've changed the filibuster, and now it's simple. you got to not make it simple anymore or limit how many times you can use it. We have uh, reconciliation. This is an opportunity for a financial bill to... Uh, override the filibuster, but you can only do it one time. One of the suggestions I made was, okay, you don't want to get rid of the filibuster. The reconciliation can be used one time. How about we get rid of the reconciliation? How about we maintain the filibuster as it is, but you can only use it one time a year? This makes it more important for strategy for planning as to when you're going to use the filibuster. You shouldn't get unlimited use of the filibuster because when you filibuster everything, nothing gets done, which is contrary to what Congress and the Senate are supposed to do. They're supposed to be doing things, addressing problems like infrastructure, like the voting rights bill, like the minimum wage. But instead, they're blocked from addressing it at all which, again, to me, is contrary to what the Congress and Senate are supposed to be doing for us, what we pay them for. So why not limit the filibuster to one time? I know there'll be a fight over that, but it's an interesting option that I have yet to hear, and maybe they should use that as a ploy. Because, you see, right now the Democrats don't like the filibuster. Because they can't get anything across. They're the majority, but the minority can now block anything they do. 
But understand, one of the reasons why the Democrats themselves are worried about getting rid of the filibuster because they're looking ahead. They know at some point Republicans will be in the majority and they will be in the minority. And that filibuster now benefits them because now they can block the Republicans. See, that's the problem. They want to get rid of it now, but they're thinking ahead and say, yeah, but what if two years from now the Republicans control the House and the Senate and now they can use it against us or we can use it against them? See, they both benefit and they're afraid to just go at this full out, do a simple majority of 51. This is a democracy. That's how it should be. And let the chips fall where they may. Because as long as the filibuster is in use, nothing gets done. And again, as I said, that's contrary to what these bastards are supposed to be doing for us. They're in fact doing nothing for us but obstructing. And they're obstructing whether they be Democrats or Republicans. It just happens to be Republicans right now. You know the Democrats did it when the Republicans... um, When the Republicans... uh, had the majority. They shut down a lot of Donald Trump's things because they had the filibuster. So to shut it down could affect both sides, but it's going to benefit both sides. But more importantly, it's going to benefit us, the people that pay the friggin' bills, the people that need the help, that need the actions to be done. Seems like a no-brainer to me with the filibuster. But one of the things I'm really concerned about with... Uh, the Democrats right now, is how they're behaving now that they have some power. They seem to be laying back and doing nothing, not being very strong, and that's a trait of the Democrats. Republicans are cutthroat. They'll do anything at any time, and the Democrats try to take the lighter, nicer side. And that's not going to work in this situation. Otherwise, you're going to be obstructed and obstructed, and they're going to run out the clock. And you're going to be screwed again, and you're going to whine and cry, and you're going to take four years to try to get power back. That's not the time to do it. I mean, when you look at some of the things that are being done, it's kind of concerning. Like the DOJ, for example. This is run by Merrick Garland, the guy that should have been in the Supreme Court, but now he's the Attorney General. Now, We know that what's going on with the Arizona audit, there are some parts of it that are illegal. In fact, the Department of Justice has sent them a note and said, hey, some of that shit you're doing is illegal. It's going to cause problems. They sent the note, but they haven't done a goddamn thing about it. If people are breaking the laws, shouldn't the DOJ address that, indict them, and try them? But they haven't done that. They haven't done that at all. Or what about Donald Trump's taxes? Now, the DOJ could choose to release his taxes to the general public, something we've all been looking for. But the DOJ, under Joe Biden, is refusing to do that. Why? Why the hell are you doing that? And are you serving the Democrats and this country in the best interest by doing the same thing that William Barr and the Trump 
DOJ did. Why are you doing that? Then there's the E. Jean Carroll case. You remember her, maybe. She accused Donald Trump of raping her in the 70s or something. That's long past the statute of limitations. He can't be charged for the rape. But she brought it out. She exposed it. And Donald Trump made some shitty uh, shitty remarks like, oh, she's not my type. I, I would never do that. How could you believe that? Look at her. So then she decides to to sue him for slander or whatever they call it. And the DOJ under under uh, Trump said, uh, "Yeah, we've got to uh, we've got to uh, protect or represent Donald Trump in that situation because it's something he said as president of the United States." Now, the interesting thing is you can't sue the government for something like this, so nothing's going to happen with it. So that kind of sat there for a long time, but now it's the Joe Biden DOJ, it's Merrick Garland's DOJ, and they have an opportunity to let this go through the process like it should. But instead, they say, no, we want to represent Donald Trump in this situation. Again, because they're suggesting they're protecting the office of the presidency, not Donald Trump. Well, this happened well before Donald Trump was ever president. And what he said was certainly not an official remark from a president. Donald Trump had many remarks that had nothing to do with being president. But still, the DOJ under Biden is holding true to that. Why? Now, some people are suggesting that there's a grander plan, there's a strategy, and that might be the case. But the Democrats have to be careful. They have an opportunity now, now that they have some power. And if they don't act on that opportunity, if they don't grab it and use it to the best of their benefit and the benefit of the country, they're going to get screwed in two years and in four years because people are not going to like the way they are handling things. And right now, the way they are handling things are a little troublesome. They're taking forever to do things. They're not releasing Donald Trump's taxes. They're protecting Donald Trump. Biden's DOJ is protecting Donald Trump. Why? The E. Jean Carroll thing. This is all kinds of stuff that is going on right now. And it's worrisome with the Democrats. They're letting Republicans bully them again. They're letting Republicans delay what they want to do. The DOJ is sitting on their hands with regards to all these things. We got the Arizona audit. That's illegal. There's a lot of things that's illegal, but nobody's doing anything. You have to wonder why, and you have to wonder how this is going to play out when it comes down to people's opinions, public opinion, when the elections start to come about. they got to be thinking about these things right now. They've got to think about them and grab the opportunity and the power when they have it. I'm going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. We are back. And uh, again, I'll just reiterate what I said in the previous segment. The Democrats have the power right now. They need to take advantage of whatever power they have. They need to be tough. They need to be pushing forward, but they don't seem to be doing that. They're allowing the Republicans to bully them delay like they did under Obama. Should have learned from that situation. The DOJ is sitting on their hands with a number of things they should be attacking. We don't know why they're doing that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Is this some big grand strategy or are they just doing the same bullshit they do every day and have done for decades? They wimp out. I know by saying what I'm saying, there's a lot of Democrats that will be mad at me. Hey, I thought you were on our team. I am on your team. I'm just not in your club. Understand, Republicans and Democrats are clubs. Both parties have done whatever they can to put the weight on our back and benefit the rich people and themselves. Don't get so caught up in the clubs you belong to. Don't act like everything your club does is right. That's what the Republicans do. doesn't matter what they do, how criminal they act. They support them. Democrats are a little better about that, but not totally. Because if they were intolerant of that behavior, the Democrats wouldn't continue to do it. So if you're angry at me because I'm talking negatively about the Democrats, you have to understand what you're going to get when you listen to the rational boomer. I don't belong to clubs. I don't belong to the Democrats or the Republicans because I've seen them both work and I've seen them both do things that work against we, the people, the middle class. So if you've seen that, you can't trust anybody to work for you unless you put some pressure on. I am on your side as an American. And as Americans, we have to understand it's not Democrats versus Republicans. It's us against Democrats and Republicans or the government. We know what the government has done up to this point. Democrats look better now because the Republicans look like shit. But that doesn't mean we can't stay on point, stay on top of them, keep pressuring them to ensure they do what they're supposed to do. And what they're supposed to do is what we want them to do. So if you're a Democrat, don't get mad at me because I'm not uh, riding the party line. I don't do that. I only care about what's good for the people. And if any party, Democrat, Republican, or whoever, does something that hurts the people, I'm against them, at least for that moment in time. You see, now the Democrats have power. There could be a big shift. And now the Democrats do all kinds of nasty shit. And now you have to fight for the Republicans. Well, the Republicans are so far gone, it's hard to do that. But we can't afford to be easy on the Democrats. 
we're trying to dig out of a big hole. And in order to do that, we need them to do the work we want them to do and need them to do. But sometimes we have to give a little push. Sometimes we have to offer a little pressure. And we as a people have that power. It's called public opinion. And with public opinion, we can pressure a lot of people. And unfortunately, we will need to do that. So remember that. Don't be angry with me if I don't side with your team. There should be no other team out there than we the people, the Americans. Because we're the ones that are paying the bill. We're the ones that are being taken advantage of. We're the ones not getting to see what we want to see. So glad the Democrats are in. I'm glad they won. I'm glad Joe Biden's in. I like Joe Biden. But we still have to stay on him. We still have to stay on them because at the bottom line, they are still politicians. This is still government. And we know what government has done in the past. So now is the time to take advantage of a situation where the Democrats have to do some good. And we need to push them, pressure them to make sure they do. Enough said about that. You probably saw this uh, this uh, report by this independent agency, ProPublica. Now, ProPublica released some information that they got from the IRS. Nobody knows how they got it from the IRS, and a lot of people are screaming, oh, there was a leak in the IRS, that's terrible, ProPublica is terrible. I love how people complain about leaks when something real has been exposed about them. The cows are out of the barn. So if you want to look at a leak, that's fine. But the fact that they're doing something that's not beneficial to us is the most important priority right now. And what the uh, report from ProPublica found was that the top 25 richest people in America paid little or no federal income taxes. Now, how do they do that? Is it illegal? Is it some ridiculous loophole. Well, it is kind of a loophole. I mean, it's a loophole open to all of us, but they're the ones that can better benefit from the loophole. Now, the way it works and the way they get away with not paying taxes is this. Rich people have assets. They have businesses. They have investments. And these businesses and investments, these entities create Profit. We know like Jeff Bezos with Amazon, uh, Elon Musk with Tesla. These companies make lots of money and there's lots of profit. And you would think that with that profit, that's where Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and the others would get paid. They'd get paid. They'd be taxed. It'd be all good. But that's not enough for them making A half a billion dollars a year isn't enough for Elon Musk or the other rich people. You see, they have to game the system a little bit more, and that's exactly what they do. They are gaming the system. Unfortunately, that system was created by rich people. So what they do is this. They have profits coming from their entities, their assets. And instead of paying themselves like any company would pay any of us, they in turn leverage that profit, borrow money against that profit, and pay themselves. 
So now it's a loan. And on loans, you pay no taxes. So that's how they get away with paying taxes. I know it's more complicated than that. I don't know all the details of how how it's being done. But that's essentially the basis for it. And we know that they're not paying any taxes. So we can't put anybody in jail. We can't indict anybody. We can't do anything like that. But we have a system that's fucked up. So somehow we need to change the system. We've got people making lots of money who should be paying taxes, which would mean a lot of money to this country for things that benefit all of us, but they're not paying it. We let the wrong people create the system. So now we have to adjust the system. And how do we do that? You can't tax them, really, because they've already figured out how not to be taxed. You can raise taxes 50%, but if they're not paying taxes, 50% of nothing is nothing. So then there's a possibility of a wealth tax. And that could work, and it may not work. It may pass, and it may not pass. The bottom line is we have to figure out a way to get these people to pay the taxes that they should rightfully have to pay. They need to pay taxes. They benefit from all the services that this country offers. So if we're paying big taxes, they shouldn't pay less taxes. They shouldn't pay no taxes. They should pay some taxes. It's just not fair, the current system. So the system has to change. How do we change the system? Not absolutely sure. I'm open for input if you have it. And as I've always said, you can always leave a voice message on the Anchor.fm app. Or you can send me an email at uh, rationalboomer at gmail.com. I'm always looking for your input. I'm always looking for your comments, negative or otherwise. I want to hear them because that's the only way we can sort some of these things out. But we have a lot of people making a lot of money who should be paying a lot of taxes that would benefit everyone in this country, but they aren't paying it. So we have to figure out a way to get them to pay their due taxes. They're not doing anything illegal. We can't scare them that way. It's the entire system that's screwed up, and that has to be changed, and that is going to be a process. It's kind of like the folks who call me up or text me or post and say, you know what we need to do? We need term limits in the House, in the Senate. Well, yeah, I agree that we need term limits. That would be an answer to a lot of our problems. Unfortunately, you can suggest it forever, but it's never going to happen under the current system. Because you see, the people who have to vote on term limits are the people that are affected by the term limits. Congress and the Senate have to vote on it. Do you really think they're going to vote positively on term limits to limit their own job future? It's not going to happen. You can scream it from the mountaintop, but at this point in this situation, it is not going to happen. Same might be said for the system where these people don't pay taxes. The rich control the Democrats and the Republicans. So why would the Democrats or the Republicans vote to straighten out the system when it benefits the people who benefit them? 
That's the problem with the whole circumstances, with term limits and these tax loopholes that allow people to pay zero taxes. It's a much bigger problem than just getting the Democrats or the Republicans in. We've got to do something to change the situation. And I honestly don't know what that is. I'm not smart enough to know what that is. But we've got to put enough pressure on these people that won't make that decision, put them in a position where they have to make that decision. And the only thing we can do is deal with public opinion and pressure, speaking out. So you see what I mean. I'm not on a team. I'm not a Democrat, not a Republican, because it's you and I fighting against both of them. We need them to change some things. We should have term limits. We should cut out the loopholes where these rich people start paying their taxes. It's important to this country. It's important to us. But as long as they don't have to make the choice because they're the ones making the choice, it's going to never change. The only thing left for us to do is to speak out, push back, change public opinion, put it in their face so that they know they are going to pay a price if they don't act on the things the general public, people like us, want. You understand? Now, people will always say, well, one person speaking out doesn't do any good. You're right. One person doesn't. But if one person speaks out, another person speaks out, another person speaks out, ultimately there's a wave of people that are speaking out. Now, that's a pressure that neither Democrats or Republicans are prepared to handle. They've never had to handle that really before because this country has been bereft with, with apathy. Ah, we can't do anything, so just let it go. We can't think like that anymore. we got to do some things to force these people to do the right thing because we can't expect them to do the right thing on their own. <laughs> I may not be telling people things that they don't already know, but sometimes I think it needs to be reiterated. Sometimes I think it, somebody needs to stand up and say, Fuck, we got to do something here, so let's do it. And I'm one voice. I know that. But if I can get a couple of you to understand what I'm saying and get it, then you say it. You get a couple people to understand, and then they say it. Then ultimately we can build a groundswell of power. Because our voices, our public opinion, is the ultimate power. We just have not used that power in a long, long time. But now we are at a stage where we must use that power to make these changes in order to have any hopes of a good future for this country. So keep that in mind. Keep speaking out. Keep teaching other people what they should know. Don't bother with the Republicans who just won't listen to you. Deal with those people that are uninformed, and you'd be amazed by how many people sit at home and say, I don't want to even hear that stuff. I don't want to get involved in politics. I just want to live my life. Well, if you don't get involved, you may not be able to live your life ultimately. And once they understand that risk, maybe they'd be more apt to stand up and speak out. One last thing I want to talk about, and it's a bit of advice I give to young people. Now, I don't know if there's any young people listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. I doubt it. 
But this is advice I will give to you that you can pass along to your own young people. This is advice I gave to my son just a couple of days ago. I heard a young man on TikTok one time saying, and he was upset and he was concerned, and he said uh, to the older people, "Uh, how do you know what to do and when to do it? How do you know what you're going to love 30 years from now? And everybody pretty much answered the same way. You don't. You don't. Life is a crapshoot. you got to get on the trail, follow that trail, and see where you end up. And if you do all the right things, chances are you're going to end up where you belong. But there's a lot of anxiety, especially with young men, but women too, coming out of college. They've got a big debt in college. They go out and try to find a job, and they get a job with nominal salary or hourly wage, and they're confused and they're upset because when you're young and in high school and in college, you have these thoughts that, oh, I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm going to have the big house, the nice cars. It's going to be all so easy when I'm finally an adult. But they come to a point when they're at the end of their college career, even high school career, and they say, oh, shit. That's not how it's going to happen. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to have a difficult time out there because people aren't throwing money at me. So there's a lot of anxiety. I've noticed it with young men because I've had two sons. They both went through it. They were really hard on themselves. They were really concerned because they didn't believe that they'd ever get the things they wanted or at least on the road to getting things that they wanted. They realized that there's a big brick wall at the end of that college career, and it's going to take some work, it's going to take some hustling, and it's going to take some luck to do anything close to what they had hoped for. So the advice I gave my son was this. In your life, you're going to have opportunities. Some might be a little bit risky. But as a young man or young woman, you've got to grab those opportunities because I guarantee you, if you bypass an opportunity, you'll regret it ultimately. I know this because I've bypassed many opportunities and I regret them to this day. My life could have been different if I didn't ignore the opportunities when they presented themselves. And my point is, is, Now that we're out of COVID, there is a big opportunity for young people. Now, my son, he worked at the hospitality business prior to COVID. Then COVID came along and he lost his job. He saw a career track there for himself and and, uh, really had hopes of maybe working in the hospitality business. Well, when COVID shut it down, he lost his job. He was kind of lost. He didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah, he got unemployment for a time, and that worked out fine. But at some point, you have to decide, I got to work, man. I got to do something. Because I can't just sit here for a year and let myself vegetate and then hopefully try to get back on track at the last minute when the unemployment is over. I need to work. And that's a good thought process, and it's the right way to think. So I told him at that point, I said, dude, with this COVID thing, it's hard to do anything. What you want to do is just go get a job, 
any job. It doesn't matter what job it is. You got to keep your mind clear. You got to keep your mind positive and you got to keep busy. So that's what he did. He went to work at, uh, he likes dogs. So he went to work at a veterinarian hospital. He's not a vet tech or a doctor or anything like that. I always kid him. I say, dude, your job is wrestling dogs. He's a big guy. And, uh, He takes care of the dogs when they're there, when they need shots or some other thing. He holds the dogs. He's basically wrestling dogs, but he loves dogs, so it's a great job. It's not a career. It's not enough money, but it was something to do during COVID where he could stay busy, keep a good, positive mental attitude because he liked the job. He knew it wasn't going to be his career, but it was doing something during a time when it was hard to find something to do. So, anyway, the opportunity that is out there for young people is this. COVID is about done. Things are opening up, and we're hearing that there is a shortage of workers. Now, you can blame it on unemployment or whatever it is, but the fact is there is a shortage right now. And I told my son, I said, look, This is an opportunity you need to grab. And if there was ever a time you were going to work hard to find a job or a career, now is the time. You need to grab it. And he looked at me kind of confused. He said, what do you mean? I said, we have a new day dawning. COVID is done. Everything has changed. Some businesses have closed, but there'll be new businesses coming along that you've never seen before. There is a shortage of workers. So now all of a sudden, you as a potential employee have more power than you've ever had before. You have options. You have choices. You might even be able to find a job that is higher up the ladder than you would normally have been able to find because they need people. You'll get a chance to get in, prove yourself, start a little higher on the track, and head down your road to your career. This is an opportunity. You need to jump on it and start working now. Get on that bicycle now and start working because this moment in time is an opportunity. If it is about unemployment and that's why people aren't going to work, so what? Take advantage of the situation. Because come September, people are going to be getting off this unemployment thing And that's going to change the whole dynamic in the world of employment. So you got the summer to hustle your ass off to find that job, get your position, and get on your track for your life. This is one of those times that's an opportunity, and you need to take it. As I said, there's probably not too many young people listening to the Rational Boomer podcast, but there's a lot of old guys and older women. I don't want to say old women because I'll get in trouble, but older women that have younger people in their lives, sons, daughters, nephews, nieces, what have you. They're at a stage where they're confused. They don't know what to do. So you need to enlighten them. You need to turn the light on for them and show them when an opportunity has arisen. And now is the time. You need to start a career. You don't know what you're going to do. Well, go out there and find it. You would have never a better time to do that. And don't limit to yourself to, well, what I really want to do, this will make me happy. The main thing is you get on your road, get on your track, start moving down the track, take that opportunity. And then as you're going down the track, another opportunity will arise. 
grab it. Then another will arise. Grab it. Always grab the opportunities. And you know what? Where you end up may not where you not be wherever you thought you'd end up, but you will be where you belong. And that's how life goes. Many of us went to college for a lot of reasons. Most of us don't do now what we thought we'd do in college. So understand that as a part of life. Just get on that road and just keep grabbing opportunities. We'll see where you end up. You'll be happy. You'll be where you belong if you put in the work, put in the time, and grab all opportunities. And for us old folks, same goes for us. Don't ever let an opportunity go by you because you never know where it's going to lead to next. And even though we're old, we still have a lot to offer. We still have a lot to give. And we have still a lot of experiences and life to live. And those opportunities are the key to finding those places we need to be. Well, I'm going to get going. That's the Rational Boomer Podcast. want to thank you for listening. Again, like and review and all that bullshit. Make sure you tell your friends, neighbors, and colleagues. Let's get a lot of people listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. And you have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.